Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Uh, So we had yesterday during the Hunter Biden plea (laughs) implosion, uh, whistleblowers. Uh, I don't know. Are they whistleblowers? Are they uh, conspiracy theorists? Are they truth tellers? Who knows? Uh, We had a big UFO hearing yesterday. Or what do they call them? Um, uh, They're not not unidentified flying objects. They're unidentified aerial phenomenon. UAPs. Uh, we'll grab some sound from that. It's scary if it's real. Well, it's not scary. I'm not scared. A lot of people are like, ooh, scary. Look, if there are other galaxies where uh, flight is uh, mastered beyond our capabilities here on Earth, I think one of the guys said that one of the spaceships he observed as a Navy pilot went from 80,000 feet to like 10,000 feet in a second and a half. How would you go faster than is it? That's crazy. And then it flies at right angles because we can't fly at right angles. So that's going on. Also going uh, that was going on yesterday. Going on at this hour, uh, Columbus Mayor Andrew Ginther, uh, House Democratic leader Allison Russo, uh, City Council people Emmanuel Remy and Shayla Favor along with City Attorney Zach Klein, are holding a press availability downtown to call for common-sense gun legislation. Common-sense gun legislation. Now, I would love to be at this press conference. And here's the question I would ask. I would raise my hand and I would say, Mayor, do any of your common-sense gun proposals call for strict penalties against... Drug-addicted people who lie on their federal gun registration forms and then after obtaining a gun under those false pretenses, discard the gun in a dumpster next to a high school. Would that be common sense that we don't discard guns in dumpsters next to high schools? I presume you are still against mass shootings at schools, Mayor Ginther. Would that be a common sense gun proposal you would offer? I wonder how he would answer that. Uh, Next question. Next question. Yeah, that's what Hunter Biden did. That's his crime. And they were going to ignore it, rubber stamp it yesterday. And the judge was like, uh, no, that's a no. That is a no. Now, speaking of police officers and police, uh, the Circleville police officer who was in charge of a police dog that bit a truck driver. I love how the dispatch writes this. The Circleville officer who unleashed his police dog on an unarmed truck driver has been fired following additional details and video footage of the mauling incident. Let's see how many paragraphs we have to go down before I find out what I would have put in the lead here. 
The second paragraph, it's not in there. Third paragraph, it's not in there. Fourth paragraph, it's not in there. Fifth paragraph, not in there. Sixth paragraph, there it is. Jadarius Rose, 23 of Memphis, Tennessee, who had failed to stop for a vehicle inspection by a state trooper in Jackson County, leading authorities on a chase north into Ross and Pickaway counties and eventually Circleville, where stop sticks were deployed to deflate the rig's tires. There it is in the sixth paragraph. He was, the dog was unleashed on a driver who refused to stop and had precipitated a multi, is that multi-county or just multi-highway uh, a highway chase? For him. Now, I'm not implying that this guy deserved or had a mauling by a police dog coming to him. I'm just saying, do you think police dogs pick up on the mood of their handlers and officers around them? Do you think dogs sense tension and fear and anxiety? Do you think dogs have the capacity to do that? I've been told they do. I'm not in it. I don't. I'm not a dog, nor do I play one on the radio. And I don't know if this guy broke protocol or not. What I'm taking issue with here is the fact that this is all, the way this story is written, the way this story is reported, TV, radio, doesn't matter, reported everywhere this way, except here, it is reported that this is all entirely the fault of the officer. And as is the case in this case, and as is the case in every case, in, uh, let me say it this way, in almost every case, because I'm sure there are some, like the, the, who was the guy that got beaten by the six cops? That, that was in Memphis. So there was no reason for that at all. But in almost every case, there is a bad decision or a series of bad decisions by the person who gets victimized, beaten, bitten, whatever it is, that that person's bad decisions heighten the anxiety, heighten the, un, heighten the uncertainty, heightened everything, and and came in advance of, because I'm not going to say it caused it or it, it merited it, but it came in advance of the circumstances that people uh, get so upset about. Now, in the Circleville police case, there are allegations made that there are some um, bad cops in Circleville who have over time caused incidents for uh, that have caused other officers to leave the force. That needs to be investigated, and if true, those guys need to be fired. This is the worst part of this. Okay, it's bad that a guy got bitten. It's worse that there is another person who lives nearby whose name is the same as the officer who got fired, and people are calling this other person and threatening him with death. Here's a quote from that totally innocent person who just randomly happens to have the name of the officer who unleashed the dog and got fired. People are calling my parents' house, my brother and his wife's cell phone, and making death threats to them, the man's sister said. They have three children who are terrified and have no understanding of what's going on. It is horrible that they are suffering because of another person's actions. Yes, agreed, 100%. With you all the way on that. Now, speaking of suffering for other people's actions— at this moment, they are holding a hearing in Washington on so-called gender-affirming care. Uh, the testimony from women who have been victimized 
by gender-affirming care or by its tentacle, which is the transgender movement, and we have to let men pretending to be women occupy women's spaces. We have to advantage the few over the majority. They're giving powerful testimony. One of the uh, most powerful uh, speakers was the first speaker, Paula Scanlon. She was a swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania where Will Thomas issue outside the- was uh, swimming as a woman, Leah Thomas. Paula Scanlon has uh, decided to come forward and take all the criticism that she's going to take for saying uh, what she experienced here is a portion of her testimony. This is representative of a greater issue, the destruction of free speech. Today, any discussion maintaining the sanctity of women's spaces is labeled transphobic, bigoted, and hateful. What's bigoted and hateful is the discrimination against women and the efforts to erase women and our equal opportunities, dignity, and safe spaces. One might ask, why do I speak so passionately about issues that seem hypothetical or some may perceive as only impacting a small number of women? This is not hypothetical. This is real. I know women who have lost roster spots and spots on the podium I know of women with sexual trauma who are adversely impacted by having biological males in their locker room without their consent. I know this because I am one of these women. I was sexually assaulted on June 3rd of 2016. I was only 16 years old. I was able to forgive my attacker, but violence against women still exists. Let us not forget the viral Me Too movement that empowered female victims to speak up It casts a spotlight on the widespread prevalence of sexual assault and abuse, including in scholarly and educational institutions. Individuals on this committee have previously stated violence against women is all too common. I am grateful for those members who have brought awareness to the violence against women in the past, but unfortunately, there's still much to be done. Yeah, there certainly is, and hopefully... Uh, We will get passed here in the state of Ohio, the Protect Women's Sports Act and the SAFE Act. Both are necessary, both are needed, and hopefully both will soon become law. So I played for you uh, Paula Scanlon's testimony. She's the Penn swimmer who um, she and other teammates were told. Uh, we're going to have uh, a new teammate this year. Uh, it's a guy. He's going to swim as a girl. His name is Leah Thomas. And they go, wait a minute. Wasn't he on the Penn men's team as Will Thomas? Yeah, but he's a woman now. Oh, well, he's not a woman because we can't define what a woman is. Uh, he's a transgender woman. Um, and by the way, if this bothers you, uh, we'll send you to counseling because you obviously are mentally ill. Not the person who thinks they are a woman still has all their genitalia intact, and oh, by the way, still has their uh, extreme muscular advantage, bigger hands, longer legs, bigger feet. Those are levers when it comes to swimming. Uh, The women were sent to uh, mental health counselors. Now, we are told all the time by the LGBTQ lobby that uh, gender-affirming care is uh, life-saving. It is suicide prevention according to man who is not a woman but is nevertheless honored as the first female four-star admiral, uh, Rachel Levine, who uh, for 40 years was Richard Levine, who has said that she (laughs) can't imagine life without having children. 
which is a life that Rachel Levine would uh, impose upon others when they have mutilating surgeries to attempt to change their sex when they are minors. Interesting. The perspective, the selfish, delusional perspective. Uh, But they don't see it. Not even when someone who has lived that lie experienced the fallout of that horrific movement testifies before their very eyes. Because today, in Washington, after Paula Scanlon spoke, Chloe Cole spoke. Now, Chloe Cole is uh, 19 years old. She's 19 years old today. When she was 13 or 14, her parents took her to a gender-affirming doctor who told her parents, well, you have a choice. You can have a live son or a dead daughter. In other words, if you don't allow me to cut your daughter's breasts off, if you don't allow me to give her hormones that will forever uh, change her biological makeup or interrupt her puberty, if you don't allow me to do that, then... She's going to commit suicide and you will have a dead daughter. So do you want a live son or do you want a dead daughter? Uh, Chloe Cole told Congress about that experience and about why she now has become one of the most powerful advocates against so-called gender-affirming care. After surgery, my grades in school plummeted. Everything that I went through did nothing to address my underlying mental health issues that I had. And my doctors, with their theories on gender, thought that all my problems would go away as soon as I was surgically transformed into something that vaguely resembled a boy. Their theories were wrong. The drugs and surgeries changed my body, but they did not and could not change the basic reality that I am and forever will be a female. When my specialists first told my parents that they could have a dead daughter or a live transgender son, I wasn't suicidal. I was a happy child who struggled because she was different. However, at 16, after my surgery, I did become suicidal. I'm doing better now. But my parents almost got the dead daughter promised to them by my doctors. My doctors had almost created the very nightmare they said they were trying to avoid. Now, why does this happen? I had a gentleman ask me yesterday about state issue one. And he said that he's been watching all the television commercials, and he's trying to make sense of it. He knows I do a radio show. And I said, well, look, I can't answer that question without injecting my own personal opinions on it, because in my opinion, state issue one is something we have to do to try to make abortion harder in the state of Ohio. And he said, I understand where you are on that, but can you explain to me why people make the argument that these kinds of ballot initiatives in Ohio— are funded by millions and millions and millions of dollars in out-of-state interest, why would people in out-of-state interest care? And I said, well, it's very simple why people with out-of-state interests plug in and give so much money to these kinds of initiatives, why this abortion amendment that will be on the ballot in November is funded by out-of-state interests, and it's because it is the very epitome of the old phrase, you got to spend money to make money. The abortion lobby, just like the transgender surgery lobby, the drug company lobby, They like making money. They love making money. And once they find a way to make even more money, they don't care how many lives they ruin. They don't care how many in abortions case, how many lives they end. 
and they cannot shed their own addiction to the riches that they pile up by engaging in this kind of barbaric activity, whether it's abortion or whether it's transgender surgeries. The criticism from the people who are trying to get you to vote no on issue one in August is that, oh, well, it's only on the ballot because it's a way to make it more difficult to get abortion rights amended to the Ohio Constitution. And you'll hear commercials quoting, I think it's Frank LaRose, a sentence from Frank LaRose where he goes, yeah, it's about abortion. Yeah, it's about abortion. They keep playing the cut from Frank LaRose over and over again, over again, the Secretary of State. Yeah, it's about abortion. And that's positioned in these ads by the uh, opponents of issue one as, oh, see, see, we caught you. See, we caught you, Frank LaRose. It's about abortion. Uh, I'm here to echo the words of Frank LaRose. It is about abortion. You got an amendment or a, a proposed amendment on the ballot in front of voters for the November election. And we who treasure life in the state of Ohio want to make it harder for that to pass. And so we came up with issue one as a way to raise the standard for getting abortion ensconced in the Ohio Constitution instead of you being able to pass it at 50% plus one, which is now the standard and will be the standard if state issue one fails. We want to juice the standard to amend the Ohio Constitution to 60% plus one. Yes, it is about abortion. But here's the difference. We freely say that. We are honest. We are conservatives. We don't lie to hide our positions. You lie all the time. You lie all the time. You are contending that parental rights will not be compromised by the abortion amendment that you want to add to the Constitution, and that is a lie. That is an absolute lie, because here's the amendment as it reads. Every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage, care, and abortion. Does it say anything in there about minors having to get the approval of their parents? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. So minors would be able to get abortions without their parents knowing about it under your proposed abortion amendment. But you keep saying, well, uh, the words parental rights are not in the amendment, so for you to assume that parental rights are at risk, uh, you can't assume that. No, we know how you work. We see how you're working in liberal states around the country. We don't want that in Ohio. So I hope issue one passes.